0: Yes, 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 y'all. This is Kurt Robinson, a.k.a. the shining ball of holy light, a.k.a. the incredible Mr. Nimbus, a.k.a. Mr. Invisible, a.k.a. the holy giant balls dropping down to the floor. So what you want? You want a little bit more of the Paradise Paradox action? They get you so cold, chilled to your shiver spines that your balls are retracting. This is how it is, and Kurt Robinson presenting the paradise paradox. It's happening. So today we've got an interview for you with our friend Kenny and is going to run through a few interesting things, some ideas about what he thinks an ideal society might look like where we reach a level of personal evolution where people will be trading, offering the surfaces, uh, doing whatever makes them feel happy and passionate and asking some questions about What you think the ideal society might look like, uh, trying to encourage people to think, and also talking about the travel lifestyle, surviving with virtually zero money, uh, just gliding through life, uh, finding food where you can, and offering your services to make people feel happy along the way. So... Uh, again, my name's Kurt Robinson. This is The Paradise Paradox. Check it out. Have a look on our website, theparadiseparadox.com. You can look through our old episodes there. Remember to... Subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, Uh, head on over to Facebook, press the like button, hold your your mouse cursor over the like button and you can press get notifications. And that's going to mean every time we send something out, beaming it out through the ether waves, you can pick up on our transmission and feel that virtual goodness that we're kicking then head on over to the paradiseparadox.com again you see at the top there's a donate button and i guarantee you when we receive a donation of tip a little tip from you it makes us feel one thousand billion times better than getting injected in the eyeballs with molten hot lava so please do that suggest a donation One US dollar per episode that you like, but you don't have to stick to that um, prescription. Just go ahead. We love it when we get micro donations, micro payments through Bitcoin. That makes us feel good, even if it's just a few cents. Uh, It makes us know that there's someone out there who cares uh, and reaching out and touching us like ET being healed, getting healing Elliot. So that's a good thing. Puts a smile on our face and uh, makes the world go round. So... Uh, the other thing is, uh, just recently we put up some T-shirt designs. So you go onto the theparadiseparadox.com. You see up the top there's a there's a PP uh, T-shirts button. Click on that. Have a look at the designs. Purchase one. Buy some for Christmas. Buy ten for your for your aunt's niece and your, your daughter's mother as well. So jump on over to theparadiseparadox.com. Have a look. And uh, thanks, guys. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. How's it going?
1: Awesome. Yeah. And thanks for having me on. <laughs> That's
0: all right. So, so what's been happening lately? Uh you had the you you had these big plans with the with the tour, this Anarchy tour all the, the the Americas or something good. It...
1: Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> that kind of got postponed. We're probably going to do that uh the beginning of 2017 cuz Yep. The the main band that was going to be part of it got an opportunity to record in Nashville for free. All right, uh, cool. Like at the exact same time. So I'm going to do a big tour next year. Uh, but this year I'm just bringing up a few musicians down to Anarchapulco uh, Elias Clay and uh, bringing Rob Hustle back. And um, Mayu, I don't remember how to pronounce her last name, but uh, Elias Clay's partner, who like they do music together and stuff as well. Just awesome, awesome people.
2: Okay, okay, <laughs> fantastic. When uh, when we spoke about you know different political views when we when we were hanging out at the at the first Anacapulco event, um, yeah. I, I was stuck saying you know tell me more about you know what you think because I didn't really have a baseline to compare it to anything to and you know you, you do have you know this uh, this, this ideology of uh, this utopia. <laughs> Don't use that word. Don't use that. Word. <laughs>
1: well,
2: it's... I mean that—that's that, how you explain it, correct?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, okay. I'm sure. My, no, I mean,
2: I—I I, this is the thing. Are, I mean, well, not, maybe you want to explain like, it to I me again so I can honest. clarify. Yeah. Where. My
1: uh, philosophical and like socioeconomic views have probably changed quite a bit since then because that was like nine whole months ago.
2: Um. Yes. <laughs> I, I can say I, I'm exactly the same. I mean, All I've. Right. It, that 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 to me was like uh, you know 101. I met so many people and you know there were so many different points of view. I forgot what I thought. I had to start again. Like okay,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, basically, what I've what I've been using to describe it recently is I want to create or I want to see uh, a completely free, voluntary. You know. Like I want, I want things to just be based on those three key principles of anarchy, voluntarism, libertarianism, whatever you want to call it. You know, the non-aggression principle, self-ownership, and voluntarism. But with that, I also think it's important that we uh, really reconnect with the the earth itself. Like yep. um, in permaculture ethics, you know, they've got the three permaculture ethics: care for man, care for the earth and returning the abundance and I just heard about that a few months ago and I really like that, the idea of you know taking care of the planet being just as important as, important as taking care of ourselves. Because if we're not taking care of the planet, we're not taking care of ourselves. Yep. Um, and then the thing that I, or the two things that I really want to see included in whatever world comes out of this are open source and crowdsource. Mm-hmm everything just everything you know all information should be open source like if if there's a community that has to deal with some sort of interpersonal issue and they put the information about that you know obviously like minus people's names maybe but just how they processed it how they dealt with it and how they moved through it and they put it out somewhere for other communities to find it just makes it easier for everybody to deal with things you know whether it's technological whether it's you know, a health thing, whether it's just communication based, whatever it is, if things are open sourced, then, you know, we can advance much more rapidly than if everybody's trying to do it on their own. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I
0: always think about, I I always trip out about this, this very simple idea, which ricochets around my head. Like I know if, if I go to a new city, I like, I've never been to that city or even a new country. And I, I go up to someone who I've never met before, and I have approximately zero knowledge about this city or country. Uh, and then as soon as I talk to them, like within, within 20 seconds of starting to talk to them, I might have access to like 30, 40, 50 years of, of knowledge about this city or country, uh, right. like almost instantaneously. Uh, and yeah. So that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Um, the, that that kind of access to knowledge, but it's, you know, we use the internet and we share knowledge more rapidly and and we have access to everybody's perspective. Um, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, kind of like what we have right now, there's so many projects that people work on or, you know, whatever whatever facet of the world it is, there's somebody who's putting out their thoughts about it online to be found. It's just, uh, I guess the only place that I like the idea of, I don't know, not centralization, but of everything yep. being really connected is in the knowledge base there.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But there's no, yeah. Like it's not centralized in that there's no central authority. Yeah. No. Not
1: centralized, like hierarchical, but yep. centralized, yep. like everyone has access to it.
0: Yep. Yep. Nice. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So yeah, when I mean when we met you, obviously we're we're um, we're all kind of more or less on the same page in terms of vo- voluntarism. Uh, like we're all all thinking about peace and not not aggressing against other people and not using uh, central authorities like governments to to manipulate or coerce or in, initiate violence against anybody. But it, but you also had the the these ideas about maybe living in communes or. Or share shared resources. um, Do you still have those kind of feelings? uh, uh, Or or, yeah, I
1: I feel like that's just um, there. There will be people who will never want to go for something like that, and that's fine. As long as they're not, you know, if nobody's trying to force their belief systems on each other, then it doesn't matter what we all believe because we're all leaving each other alone. But I, I think for the majority of people, most likely, it's they're going to want to live in a. A community whether that's you know family sized or like village sized or fully city sized you know thousands of people most people are going to want to be around others who take care of each other and don't you know it's not a competitive thing at least in their own community it's just based on you know you do what you can and everybody does what they can and there's an you know everything gets done that way yep and that I, I this this year I went to the national rainbow gathering for my first time. Are you familiar oh. with the rainbow gatherings?
0: Uh, I've, I've heard a little bit. It's it's kind of like Burning Man or yeah.
1: sort of, sort of, very like in some way. Yes, it's a bunch of people building like a city in in the wilderness. So yeah. In that way, it's similar, but it doesn't. There's no money involved. It's completely free to go. There's no money allowed in the gathering. It's just. Um, Basically, the whole idea is it is like an anarcho-communist, not, you know, that is a dirty word nowadays, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. an, an anarchist and totally, like, family-oriented city that formed... The-
0: anarcho Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, everyone <laughs> there, everyone there recognizes everyone else there as family. Like, there's no handshakes, it's all hugs. Everyone, um, whether you've met them before or not, is going to tell you that they love you. And, you know, it's everyone takes care of everybody else. The the whole idea is just give what you can, take what you need. And so for me, I was there cooking food in the kitchen like 12, 16 hours a day for three weeks because that's what I wanted to do. There's other people that just play music or just walk around and do you know massage for people, whatever it is. Everybody Mm -hmm. just does it and then if there's something that nobody necessarily wants to do, whoever finds that job just takes care of it or finds other people to help them take care of it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like the Rainbow Gathering is really kind of a a beta test of the the society that I want to see roll out. And they've been doing it for 44 years. Like, I didn't even know about it until like two years ago. They've been doing this for 44 years with up to 30,000 people at a time in the woods. Like, running (laughs) water. I mean, the kitchens are more sanitary than most of the restaurants I've ever worked in. It was really (laughs) mind-blowing. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. How many people? You say 30,000? Yeah, that's uh, the, the highest recorded number is about 30. I've heard from people that there was actually more in some of them. This year was really small. It was only about 2,000. And how long does it go for? The official gathering is a week long, but there's people out for as much as a month before that, setting up the kitchens, running the water lines, digging shitters, making trails all of that, and then there's people there for a few weeks to a month afterwards cleaning up as well. Okay. And that, I, I just went to the national gathering in the U.S., which is the biggest one, but there's also regionals all around the U.S., and there's also gatherings in South America, Central America, Europe, like, basically at any point in time, there's probably a rainbow gathering going on at least one place in the world.
2: Yeah, cool. We're going to look out for one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I need to I need to go and, and see this, experience it. <laughs> Guatemala.
1: Guatemala's rainbow gathering is in January. I'm probably going to be down there for it. I'm trying to make my way down early enough.
2: Excellent. Cool. So, so why don't they try sustain like a, a longer period of time? Uh, there are people that do that too.
1: Actually, in Costa Rica, there's a place called Rainbow Crystal Land where a bunch of the people that were floating around South America going to gatherings decided they were tired of that, and they got themselves 50 acres, and now they have a permanent rainbow gathering there. So it's just,
2: a, yeah, just
1: a total anarchist city.
2: <laughs> okay, so, so the, these ideas of, the, of your ideal community is already in play. It's, yeah. just, it's just a matter of more people having the, the confidence to follow what they naturally might feel is what they feel like the way they need to live. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I've found, you know, that's the, the large scale. Rainbow is about as big as it gets. But on the small community scale of, you know, 30 to 100 people or whatever, I've, I've personally made connections with, like, 20 or so in the last few months. And I know of, I mean, thousands just in the United States. Um, you know, some are very much, you know, just based on, like, environmental, you know, like, being ecologically friendly, being totally sustainable. Some of them are based on political ideas. Uh, There's one here, I'm in Oregon right now, there's one out by the coast called uh, the Alpha Farm, and it's been there for like 40 years, and their whole basis is consensus decision making. So they're totally sustainable, they grow their own food and stuff, but they also bring people out for retreats, they go to conferences and do workshops
2: and stuff, all around consensus based decision making. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I mean, jumping back to what we we're saying before about most people, you know, might look at that and say, you know, that, that's that's you know a little bit different or a little bit weird to, to the way they want to live, and they're and they they're comfortable enough. They're living in a city, but I think yeah. I think the, the more and more this uh, technology in general, whether it's Bitcoin or uh, you know different types of uh, of governance then people are going to naturally move away from the type of, of work life whether that's because of stress and uncomfortable traffic or just you know just the the down of being in a city and and you know we I think we're going to see more people moving to smaller towns and communities like you know like the ones you're describing
1: I agree I agree and with things like 3D printing you know we don't need we don't need to be connected to big cities with ports and all of that when you can manufacture so much right there on the land where you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, yeah, I've been thinking too, like, uh, with people, uh, being able to work on the, the internet, there's not so much incentive to be in a big city anymore. So I think right. that's, that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be a natural tendency to spread out where the land is cheaper and, And people will have more space and, yeah, hopefully more neighborly relationships as well. (laughs) Yeah.
1: If you look at, you know, the human race prior to the Industrial Revolution, almost Mm. everyone lived in a village where they knew everyone around and everybody grew their own food or at least, you know, someone in that village grew the food. I mean, this idea of everybody being in a city and having to import the necessities of life is pretty new. Mm. And, uh... Mm. I, it doesn't seem to me at least like it really is conducive to good uh you know good mental health for people.
0: Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, but it se- it seems like this kind of uh some kind of paradox because it it does seem like people really like living in cities. Um but then there's obviously there's a lot of downsides to to living in cities and the the you know pollution and everything like that. Uh yeah, I don't I don't know why let's see. I don't <laughs> I don't know how exactly that re- that resolves cuz uh, cuz they do like, you know, this you know, mega cities like like in Shenzhen or you know in Tokyo or or Moscow or something there's cities of 10 right. million people or more. Um yeah.
1: Yeah, it I personally I don't even understand you know for me I could never do that all the cities I've lived in have been you know like a half a million at the high end and even that just seems so crowded and you don't know most of the people around you and I don't know it seems very you're you're separated from the world around you
2: yeah very isolating it'd be interesting to look at cities that have very high unemployment rates and just have a look at the, the quality of life of the city and how it how it start deteriorating by itself yeah i mean i I can't think of an example i I don't know the stats on on cities but i mean you look at you look at what what, what's happening in um in chicago or or in detroit that you know that are facing economic issues and Mm. you know people have to start being creative about you know where they're going to to source their their livelihood
1: right yeah when it seems like we've I, I haven't done a whole lot of digging into it, but I've seen some articles come out about um, you know, a lot of the basically like the DROs that people like Stephen Molyneux have been talking about forever You know, popping up in uh, Detroit because of people having to just figure out how to do things. Oh, the police aren't going to show up, so how are we going to take care of ourselves? Yeah, so
0: you t- you're talking about the, uh, dispute resolution organizations like private yeah. arbitration firms. Yeah, so the of course there's uh, you know this the most famous sort of su- private police organization is the the Detroit Threat Management Center. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are there others as well like are there, like private court systems uh, and stuff or is Yeah,
1: it- I don't I don't know for sure. It's there's a lot of things I just kind of like skim but don't sure. dip do too much yeah. into myself. Yeah. Okay, okay. What, um so you
0: live in Portland what what's the population of Portland
1: um, Portland itself is about half a million the entire metro area is yeah. right around a million I think I spend most yeah. of this summer in Denver uh, and Denver has more people than the state of Oregon so just to give you an idea of how small <laughs> Portland actually is <laughs> yep <laughs> cool cool yeah I'm actually I'm living on the road these days I I left town in June and just traveled around the Midwest, started at the rainbow gathering and went to a bunch of festivals and hung out with a bunch of different activist groups and some different intentional communities and came back here for, you know, Thanksgiving with the family and I'm leaving again in about a week to make my pilgrimage to Acapulco. Yep. Okay. Okay. So what, uh,
0: what's your, what's your travel plan? How does it go?
1: Um, I just kind of wonder, I mean, I, <laughs> I a big thing for me has been just uh, knowing the direction I want to I want to go for myself and for you know my influence on the world and just letting the universe take me wherever I can do the most good and uh, it's worked out beautifully so far. I mean i, I probably I probably fed about four thousand people this summer, um, just working in kitchens at different places and i met I met Elias Clay, who's been my favorite musician. For for like 2 years since I found her music and ended up recording a music video with her before I left Denver and it's yeah just been beautiful. From here I'm going to I'm going to stop at this community called Lost Valley just outside of Eugene, Oregon and then visit some friends and stop at another community called uh, Black Bear Ranch, which is the oldest anarchist commune in the US. And then I'm that's in Northern California. And then I might just skip the rest of California and make it into Mexico.
2: <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. I like that I'm not the only one that has an Acapulco as a, a milestone, a pivotal point of my <laughs> travel plan. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, yeah. I plan on going every year for as long as Jeff, you know, Jeff keeps yeah. it going.
0: Yeah, it's good. I think I think you offer this good uh, this good balance or this this good counterpoint to. You know, obviously, there's a lot of entrepreneurialism and capi- uh, capitalist-minded people, and that's cool. But but you're you're there as well, so it just shows, you know, uh, uh, anybody can be a voluntarist, I guess. <laughs>
1: well, that's you know, I personally, I'm I definitely would not consider myself an anarcho-capitalist. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. not a fan of capitalism. Uh, by any definition really to me. like so, I'm a fan of free exchange, free trade, yeah. but the idea yeah. of capitalism, you know, where people can own the factory and make the profits rather than having right. anything to do with the production, I don't know about that. It feels like okay. something that okay. will often slide back into corporatism, you know, but certainly yeah. anarcho-capitalists want most of the same changes in the world that I do, so I'm going to yeah. support them, for as long as we've got common ground and if we get to the point where we're in a totally anarchist world and it's just the difference between you know the capitalists and the syndicalists and the communists and stuff then who gives a shit because we've all (laughs) you know we've all agreed not to aggress against each other and we're all you know we all agree that we own ourselves and you know at that point it's just a matter of living in the place where you know everybody wants to live the way that you do Yeah. yeah 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 for sure yeah yeah, I was surprised I actually made it th- all the way until Sunday night of uh last year before I got into what I would consider like an argument with someone about this. Most of the people when I described my feelings about capitalism that way were like, "Okay, cool. That makes sense." And Sunday night was the first guy that was like, "What? You're not a capitalist?" and just like went off for half an hour like ranting and raving. And I just kind of let him talk and I was like, "Okay, cool." And I respect your way, your, you know, your opinion and you can feel that way. I just don't agree with you. And here's a few points. And then he just walked away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was watching a, a, an interview with, uh, um, let's see, with, with Adam Kokesh the, the other day and, and he was talking about nonviolent communication.
1: Yeah. That was ah. such a good interview. That was one of my yeah. favorite episodes
0: of Anarchast so far, or if yeah. that was the one you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, it was. Let's see, he was on, uh he was on the Tom Wood show, and then he was on oh. Anarchist the other day as well. And it, yeah, it was on the Anarchast that he was talking about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he was saying how, uh, yeah, certain people in the freedom movement might need to. <laughs> to exercise some of that non-violent communication like tone back on that ag- aggression and and just uh, hear people out and things like that uh,
1: yeah yeah i mean it's <laughs> especially amongst other people who want to see most of the same changes in the world as you like we should definitely be working together instead of yeah, worrying yeah. about that one little thing where we disagree it's like it's going to be so long before we get to the point where that is you know, a big issue. Like, let's make the changes up until that point, And then when we get there, we can, you know, have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as there's a state, let's focus on getting rid of that. Just <laughs> my thought. My thought. <laughs> yeah,
0: I agree. Like on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and Pocket Casts. Follow us on Twitter
2: at @BattleAZ and Trouble Bubble to show your support at donate.theparadiseparadox.com. So, I'm—I mean, from my point of view, with some of these big issues, I still haven't exactly got my head around what these big issues are, because I know a lot of people have got very different points of views. But I feel like some of these bigger issues, like whether you want to be a capitalist or not going to be a capitalist, uh, these, these issues aren't going to be, it's going to be like a non-event. Like with the, once, we have, once we change economic systems, it's like we're going to have, personally, we're going to have different goals. Like let, let's say we are living in smaller communities and we are more connected to, you know, the, the earth and the, the actual eco, ecosystem where we're operating in. Um, there won't be such a, a need to consume things that that aren't that important anymore. I, I don't I think travel is going to be completely different. We won't be we won't be uh, you know wanting to show off things that don't have the same the same social value anymore. And I mean that that, that even goes to like what sort of foods we're going to eat. Everyone's going to be eating what's in season rather than ordering mangoes from you know I don't know ten thousand miles away.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's already early winter here in Oregon and you can buy avocados in every store. It's like, you're not supposed to eat avocados in the winter. That just doesn't make sense. Like
2: That's cool. abundance.
1: Yeah, actually, so that actually brings me to the, the project that I'm working on right now, which I don't have a name for it at the moment, but I'm making a, a workbook basically. And um, I'm going to do like some workshops at the festivals that I go to and stuff using this. But the idea is just to ask the questions to get people to start um, visualizing the world that they want to see. I've got like 30 or so questions so far um, and the idea is, you know, instead of saying here's what I want the world to look like or here's, you know, a possibility of what the world could look like, just asking people really, picture yourself in the future, you know, however long it takes, don't worry about that. How, you know, Don't worry about the details of how to get there, just the world is now the, you know, your ideal what does that actually look like? You know, and questions about, like, family units and who raises children and that sort of thing, questions about transportation, food, social organization and decision making. I'm trying to really give people a tool to flesh out their own vision of what the world could look like so that we can start having a more serious conversation about how we get there. Because right now, we certainly don't have any sort of unified vision, which is fine. You know, like, we've all got different ideas. That's part of the beauty of the human race. But most people don't even really have like a personal vision of what their world looks like. They're like, I want it to be freer and more peaceful. It's like, okay, I mean that's cool, I agree. But what does that actually mean? Like, how how would this world operate? And uh, I think once we get people to start asking themselves those questions, then they'll start researching things that you know will help explain the you know fill the holes in their own in their own theories. I'm planning on kind of rolling that project out at Anarchapulco this year, because that seems like the perfect crowd for it.
0: Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's just like giving them uh, this this little itch, like, actually I don't know what that is or I don't know what that looks like. And then they go down this rabbit hole and have to ask a million more questions.
1: I feel like the questions are always more important than the answers. Mm -hmm. At least in my life. It's, you know, when I have an answer for something, that just means at some point that I'm going to change that answer. When I've got a question, I'm going to stick with that question and keep getting better and better answers for
2: it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's cool. I feel like that's what an <laughs> Acapulco did for me because yeah. I, I never really, you're right, I never I never thought at these, about the questions. I never had the questions. I just kind of just, you know, keep turning the wheels and going with the, the motion. But I feel like things are really speeding up now. And, oh, yeah. and I don't know whether that's because... You know I changed my perspective because I mean we're just talking about uh, anarchist communities being forty years old. It's like this has been around my whole lifetime. I've never heard of it until the last twelve months mm. um and i was I was unaware It's like well where have I been looking but I didn't even know what I was looking for <laughs> so it's yeah. uh, and then now it's like everything's exploding, like everything's just changed well I'm living in Mexico that's a pretty big change to start with uh,
1: yeah well I mean and when you when you look at it, I think. You know, I, I, I don't know how to word it. I, I think that uh, the idea of the human consciousness being an exponential growth curve is yeah. definitely something that I, I feel is, you know, I've observed. And I feel that, you know, on that exponential growth curve, we're like right here, just about to hit the asymptote and skyrocket, if we're not already in that, you know? There's people putting on huge events, people, I mean, so many projects that, would seem unrealistic without like a large team putting in a ton of work. I'm watching people in groups of three or four put together in like two weeks time, you know, and things, I don't know. There's just so many layers of it that seem like they're, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's uh I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it, but I, I definitely feel like this is the best time to have been alive as a human on the planet. Like, we've got so much yeah. momentum behind everything that we're doing now. And it takes yeah. the yeah. people trying to keep the world the way it has been, it takes them so much work for everything that they do. You know, you put, look, at, <laughs> look at how much time and energy they put into something like trying to push the, the the war with Syria, you know, a year ago. All this, you know, every news channel, every newspaper, I mean, millions and millions of dollars you know tons of people putting all their time into it and some hackers in syria hack like the marine corps website and a couple others and the whole thing's just blown out of the water it's like you know or look at like my favorite example is you know indoctrinating of children and stuff we take some 12 years plus to indoctrinate somebody into this system in america and you give them psychedelics once, or like take them to the rainbow gathering once, or you know in two or three days, you can shatter the majority of that programming. And I feel like that sort of applies everywhere. like we just have to really focus on what we're trying to do, and we've got so much so much potential behind us that everything that we want to accomplish will accomplish as long as we're you know clear with what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah. So, or asking those questions, like you were saying, clear, clear enough yeah. Questions, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I like. Uh, I'm sure you like listening to to Terence McKenna. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, and you listen to the old the the old the, these old recordings, and he's talking about uh, 2012, and he's saying how 2012 was is going to be such an important thing. And then I remember when you know the clock like ticked over. It was what was the date? It was the 22nd of December.
1: I think it was the twenty-first. Is the twelve 21st. twenty-one twelve? Yeah.
0: yeah. And I was like, the 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 clock ticked over, and I was sitting at home, and I was kind of expecting fireworks or something. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know what I was expecting, but I was just expecting something, and that of course not nothing happened. But actually, in retrospect, it looks like actually it is it is happening. Um, uh, yeah. think things are things are changing with the you know. More and more people getting connected to the internet, accessing this information, like you were talking about, getting this this central base of knowledge where everyone, uh, um, you know, everyone has equal footing when it comes to to information with uh, like massively online, um, what do you call them? Online university courses, the Khan Academy and course era and things like that so a- anyone can access this highly technical knowledge and and uh, yeah, great things like that.
1: Even like almost all, I think all of the Ivy League schools and a bunch of other universities put up the majority of their classes online now too. I've, I've got a list I've been compiling. That's one of the things I do a lot is just compile lists of things to share with people because I like researching and a lot of people don't. And I've got a list of like 60 different free education websites right now. That Same. yeah. You know, a couple of them actually (laughs) offer, like, certifications of some kind. Most of them are just the knowledge. But that's all you need. The piece of paper doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And on the 2012 thing, I know personally, I wasn't even paying attention to it at all at the time. I I was like, okay, you know, it's like Y2K, something's going to happen or not, whatever. But I think the 19th of December that year, the 18th, uh, Mm -hmm. I met someone who I ended up being in a, a relationship with for about a year, who's the person that turned me on to GMOs and what all that was, started me asking questions about myself and really, like, reviewing, you know, who I had been for the first chunk of my life. Like, everything that's gotten me on the path that I am now, you know, got me to where I am now, started right in the middle of December 2012. But I wasn't even paying attention to it, you know? Right? There yeah. definitely a... There's something to be said for that that whole cycle that ended. Because it's like, it's not just the Mayan calendar that, you know, had that as the end of one one cycle and the beginning of another one. But it was also in, um, oh, let's see. I think it was in India. there know, There's like 22 different cultures that ah. their cycles all kind of synced up within a year or so of that period. And like in the... Um, Yeah, in India, in the yogic teachings, uh, it was, they have, I I don't know the names of them at all, but they basically break time down into four pieces that repeat over and over. And you could draw it like a circle, but I think it's more like a a frequency. So there's, you know, from zero up, and then back down to zero, and then from zero down and back up. And that's the four sections that they break time into. And we just got from, let's see, we hit the bottom. And 2012 in their calendar as well was the beginning of a new cycle upwards mm. I think they, they call these the the
2: the Yugas the, the the Yugas I mean it rings a bell in uh, golden ages and bronze ages or, or it's, I, I might be getting confused but
1: I think Yugas is the right term that sounds early it sounds really familiar but I just remember when I was reading through a bunch of things about the big cycles it's Everywhere on the planet, people had these ideas of, you know, a few thousand years, and then we start over, and we start over, and we start over. And it just, to me, it looks like a frequency, you know, like it gets better, and then it gets worse, and then it gets better, and then it gets worse, and it gets better. And, you know, we know that everything in this reality is frequency, it's all vibration, so it would just make sense that our, our trends as a planet or as a species would follow that.
2: Yeah, we really need to like personally let go of a collective ego that, you know, the human race is so amazing and everything that we've created and we're, we're so great and just accept that, you know, that, that we are the, the product of whatever vibration we happen to be riding at the time. Um, following all those cycles as like the position of the planet inside the solar system, inside the universe, wherever we are in the whole whatever that is, that's the all. And we, we're just riding that, that frequency, that vibration. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and how that manifests is the experience that we have. And, you know, as we raise that, that frequency, um, we're, we're going to see these changes going back to more uh, harmonic uh, type of life where, yeah. we, where we start accepting that, you know, that we have to look after the, the planet to start with. We have to look after our family and we have to look after all species and all people
1: yeah yeah I mean the the idea that the human race is separate from the planet and from the other species on it is just kind of ridiculous to me you know it seems like it when we're looking at everything at this scale you know but it's like when you look at yourself we look like one unit but when you zoom in under a microscope you can see that it's trillions of things you know and it's the same here we look like a bunch of individual things but when you zoom out it's just one planet you know it's all fractals and as soon as we Well, I mean, it's, you know, we and the the grand we. As soon as everybody or more people really focus on that, it it helps you find your place in it a lot easier. And when you're not working, you know, to to benefit yourself at the expense of others or you're not looking to, like, rape the planet or, you know, exploit resources and stuff, when you're looking to work with that which exists around you, it's so much easier. And, you know, no matter how much money you could make by drilling oil out of the ground, or any of these other, you know, whatever it is that you're doing that causes massive repercussions elsewhere. There's no way that the, whatever gain people are getting from it, there's no way that that's going to be as as big of a gain as the, the damage that's being caused by it. You know, and it's like, yeah, maybe this generation doesn't really notice it, but they've got all these numbers about you know the earth running out of resources in 100 years or less and things like that it's like well obviously that means you should stop right like (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's
0: hard though because you know like uh, oil of course oil is you know used to run cars and and trucks and everything but it's it's used in so many things like they use it to make plastic and you basically can't escape it Uh,
1: coloring is all oil based
0: i mean yeah, medicines. Lots of medicines yeah. used. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that is a you know that's a really tough one. I I don't think. I mean, would you advocate going to like a a primitivist um, social model? I, is that something you'd lean towards, or that's?
1: Yeah. I would. I would see a you know primitivist model being more sustainable than what we have now, but I don't think we need to. We need to like totally stop our advancement in order to, in order to live more sustainably and more in harmony with nature. I think it's just a matter of keeping, letting the letting the technological, the inquisitive, that finding solutions side of our humanity keep doing its thing, but tempering yeah. that by letting our, our heart and our, you know, our decision making be from more of an old world standpoint, like a, you know, like indigenous people all around the world. This idea that, you know, just using the new tools, but using them in the old way, I guess. You know, like the Amish, you know, people have this idea that the Amish don't ever take in new technology. Everything they have is the same as it's been for hundreds of years. But that's not true. The Amish are just extremely conscious and conscientious about what they allow into their society. They stop and they look at it and they review it and they make sure that any new technology is going to have a net positive for them in the world they live in before they introduce it on a large scale. you know the Amish use automated uh, milking machines now. you know it's not I mean they have technology that is from the past hundred years, but they spent you know 20 30, 40 years looking at that individual piece of technology before they decided, okay, there's no way this is really going to cause us a lot of harm. We can integrate it now. this is this is something that's going to be good for us. And I think that's that's what we need to do is, you know, don't don't stop our questioning and our our looking for new solutions. We just need to like stop and really think about them before we roll them out to everybody. Instead of like, hey, we've got this new technology, let's put it in the hands of everyone on the planet right now. <laughs> wait, <laughs> like we don't know what that's going to do in the long run.
0: <laughs> it turns out to be th- thalidomide or something,
1: right? <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, you look at, like, GMOs. Like, the technology of genetically engineering things. Like, just the science of doing that, there isn't necessarily anything wrong with. Unless you're looking at it from, like, a religious, you know, playing God kind of standpoint. Which, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with it, to me at least. I don't see anything wrong with the idea of looking at how we could adjust things to make them suit us in the world in a positive way, you know, to yep. make things be- a, a better version of what they are, you know. But when you have people whose mind is on profit doing that, and you have them rolling it out as quickly as they possibly can so they can start making money, then there's no way there's going to be anything but negative repercussions from that. You know, it's it's just as much about the intention behind the technology as it is the the technology itself.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Okay, okay.
2: Yeah, cool. <laughs> I, I feel like we're, we're phasing away from that, though. Like, I think uh, in, uh, the individual consumer, the, the consciousness of, of what they're buying and where it's coming from, how it's produced, or what they're actually consuming, uh, as well, is is increasing. I mean, uh, you know, I I asked mum and dad, you know, how's how are my grandparents going, and my dad's telling me how they're having a conversation about, you know, what goes into the blood pressure medication. They're on, and you know, I probably don't even need this shit anyway. My dad tells me, and I'm like, Well, that, that's true, but now you look at your diet like one step at a time. And, and I think when, when you have people that have been, I mean, my, my grandparents have probably been taking, you know, big pharmaceutical medication for, for decades and never ever, yeah. never ever questioned why or what caused it or what's cool, you know, what is this doing to my body? And now they are. And I think this is part of the, you know, the 2012 step over. You know, yeah, where yeah. people are waking up to, you know, the, the bigger issue here. Yeah. So yeah. It, it feels good. It's cool.
1: I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, every, every month, every time I meet new people or get to new places, I mean, I'm far more optimistic about the world than I was in February when we were in Acapulco. And I, I was pretty optimistic about the world at that point, you know? But <laughs> I, I think, yeah, everything. Everything is changing on you know and even if it's just small changes here and there it's happening on such a wide scale that you know look at the look at how much the world has changed from 1960 to now you know 55 years and picture what it would look like in 2070 if we just kept along the same curve never mind the fact that it's getting faster faster you know it's exponential like <laughs> Every yeah. every year we're going through you know a few years worth of changes as a you know a decade ago how things were moving. And I think next year is going to be you know bigger than this year was, and year after that will be bigger than that was. And yeah, it's there's so many so many ways that it's spreading from people yeah people paying more attention to what they're doing with their money, what they're buying, what they're putting in their bodies, to you know people actually starting to question the systems that have been put in place as far as the government education and all of that so like it's it's all it's all coming to a head right now and i i feel yeah, like we're I in a good place for it
2: i feel like every day i can see a little win it's like we're, we're moving in the, in the right direction and and it's it's so positive that you know you you're, you're, I don't know, you're at work, or you wake up in the morning, you check in emails, you check Facebook, or whatever, and you can see, you know, a, a one country's banned GMOs, and it's like inside you're just going, someone's doing something, and yes, this this feels good, and then on the other side you got people that that live in big cities and are probably caught in an hour of traffic, and they're they're running late to work, and they just, just get in like their their anxieties lifting, they they're getting depressed, and you know they're trying to make a life by hanging on to this old. You know, economic system or this old, you know, social system that they're in, and they they can't do it. And people are just gonna—they're breaking out of that now. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's so many more people now than ever that, uh, even if they don't have any clue what what the changes are that would help, or you know, what the things are that are going on, they're definitely getting that feeling now. Of, this isn't working. It isn't working for me. It isn't working for the the planet. You know, they're they're definitely. They're noticing that something is wrong with the way things have been done, and they're starting to look for answers. And that's why it's so beautiful yeah. that there's so many people, you know, with podcasts and writing books and, you know, the, the ridiculous number of documentaries always coming out about this stuff. Like, there's so many, so many answers out there for people to find once they start looking.
2: Yeah, 100%. It's just, it's just a matter of. Push them over that, that first step to start looking. And, and you know, I mean, I, I'm sure we fall into that category where for the last, for years, we've always been, you know, that, that weird friend that always talks about crazy stuff. And then now it's like, Bitcoin, eh? What was it, Aaron? Aaron, weren't you talking about that like years ago? And like, uh, I don't know, must have been a different guy.
0: <laughs>
2: we're, we're not friends anymore. <laughs>
0: I wanted to ask, like, uh, you're you're in you're having these uh, these adventures, like you're traveling all over the place and and uh, have you know exploring and having a good time. Um, but how how do you how do you get by? Like, do you just trade little things? Do you make make things? Do you have savings, or is uh, how how do you do it?
1: I just make myself of, ser- of service in whatever way that I yeah. can, and people always want me around. I mean, I left. I left in June with $200 in my pocket, and uh, I went to the Rainbow Gathering first, so obviously no money there for two and a half weeks, and then I came out of the gathering with a couple cars full of people and went to somebody's house in Wyoming, and uh, we stayed there for a few weeks. I spent my $200 in like the first three days buying food for everybody, and Mm. for the whole rest of the trip, I mean, I just... I went to a few different music festivals. I volunteered for all of them. Uh, I went to, you know, everywhere that I went, I just, I cook food, I clean, I, I do healing work, I do, you know, massage and, like, counseling kind of stuff. I am I, a good, like, sounding board for people. I listen to what they're saying and help them ask the questions that will get them to the, to the next point. And, uh, you know, I just, yeah, I just make myself of service and... I probably had about $700 altogether passed through my hands over the course of like four and a half months. And all of that was spent on food (laughs) to feed a bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Okay. I got to say, yeah. Oh, go ahead. ahead. That that takes a lot of balls. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'm not, I don't know. I've, I've, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, in yep. the Matrix to some extent, but also a lot, you know, a lot of that was done, I don't know, I, I can't really see any way that living the way that I do now could possibly lead to anything as bad as what I've already been through. You know what I mean? I've been broke. I've, <laughs> I've been hungry. I've been, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not worried about any of that. Like, and so... It just doesn't yep. even really register as a possibility in my reality. Like maybe I'll go hungry for a few days or something. Whatever. That doesn't, you know, <laughs> it, it's uncomfortable, but it's not a bad thing necessarily, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I definitely haven't had an issue finding people that want me to be, to, that want me to be there. I mean, I'm a really good chef, and <laughs> I make uh, nothing but you know vegan medicine food. Like every, you know, mostly raw stuff. Yep. Everything I everything I make is with uh, the idea of you feel better after you eat it than beforehand. And so, I mean, who doesn't want somebody to come to their house and cook them three meals a day? And all that I ask in exchange is a spot on the floor to sleep and you buy the food for me to cook, <laughs> which you're gonna do anyways, so.
2: <laughs> all right. Sounds like a party, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. That's a that's a great, like, you really live in this, I mean, you're really living what you believe in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's I feel like that's a big part of why it's so easy, you know. I'm being 100% true to myself and my you know, my my vision for what I want the world to be. You know, I want everybody to just go out and be of service, you know, be helpful in whatever way you can to whoever you can, wherever you want to be. And you know, how do we how do we make a change in the world? Well, we be the change. Like I want people to be peaceful and friendly and sharing and taking care of each other, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to do that. And, yeah, I mean, there's little things that I need money for here and there, you know, like I'm going to have to come up with a little bit of money to fly from Tijuana down to Acapulco just because right. the idea of hitchhiking across a country where I only barely speak the language doesn't seem like a good one. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. but other than that, you know. Um. Yeah,
0: I don't know how much the the, the flight would cost from Tijuana, but it's probably not that expensive. Yeah, it,
1: it's almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, even if you did decide to to hitchhike the way, I'm sure if someone can do it, uh, you beat the other man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I might end up doing that. Who knows? I'm I'm gonna be just hitchhiking my way down to to Yuana. That was kind of my plan: is to slowly, yeah. slowly make my way down there and then fly from there to Acapulco. But if I get to Southern California or, you know, the, to the border and it's still a month before Anarchapulco, I'll probably just hoof it because I'm not in a hurry. But I figured I'd, I'd leave it open as an option to fly down there. That way, if I get, you know, if I get to Tijuana and it's already the middle of February, I can still get there on time. Yep.
2: Yeah, yep. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I'll be interested in following the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about uh, write some write some journals or something. Yeah, I do a lot
1: of journaling myself. I've been thinking about doing some kind of blog or something. Yeah. I know this this summer I was just doing like an email blast to like I have a list of like seventy or eighty people who had given me their emails that I was just updating every couple of weeks with my newest adventures. And that was it was really cool to hear, you know, um well like Rob Rob Hustle, you know, from last year yeah. we we've kept in touch a good bit and the very first email update that I sent out in like the middle of July, it was like, you know, five pages of just, here's all this awesomeness that I've experienced and, you know, all these great people and this and that. And he sent me a reply. It was just, you know, something along the lines of like, I was having just a terrible day and your your email just made it me feel so much better to know that what's going on out there. <laughs> That's so exciting to like, to be able to, to offer... You know, back some of the positivity that people like that are sharing with the world through their videos and their music and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, what what comes around goes around. (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. Um,
2: Let's see, I'm still, you're left on 200 bucks. I'm I'm still, my mind is still coming back together after that. It's like (laughs) uh, the the, the stress would have killed me. I'd be on the side of the road somewhere by now. That's it. I'm I'm done. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I dumpstered a lot of food. There's, like, places like Natural Grocers and um, places like that. You know, the, the employees often are pretty pissed off, of, excuse me, about the fact that they have to throw away food, too. So, like, while I was in Denver, I was staying at a place called the Liberty Lodge, which is this awesome little intentional community, um, which is, like, the headquarters of We Are Change Colorado and a whole bunch of other activist groups in that region, and right down the road was a Natural Grocers, which has 100% organic produce, is like one of their big things, and I would just go down to the dumpster like every day or every other day right after they close, and there would always be, you know, two dumpsters, and one would be full of actual trash, and the other one would be the recycling, and then they would usually put, you know, food on top of the recycling in one quarter of the dumpster, because <laughs> they know somebody's going to come collect it, and it's like, oh, these bananas are slightly bruised. Or, you know, this hummus is dated today. It's like, (laughs) who cares? (laughs) You know, you you can get so much food. I went to another place out there uh, near Boulder, Colorado, called the Dome. This awesome geodesic dome. They've got like 35 people that live out there, grow food. I mean, not quite independent, you know, sustainable, fully sustainable yet, but they're working on it. And within 20 minutes of getting out there, somebody came back from their dumpstering mission. They have a team. That goes into the nearby towns every evening, and he brought back like an entire SUV full of food. Easily six, seven, eight hundred dollars worth of food that they just pulled out of the dumpsters. Like <laughs> just in one night, you know, he was gone for this one guy was gone for like an hour and a half and came up with that much food for everybody. Yeah. It <laughs> just gotta, you know, there's some some things that a lot of people would uh Shy away from because of their social conditioning right now, but when you think about it, it's like if food's in a package and it's in the garbage can, nothing in the garbage can has touched the actual food, it's in a package. And if it has touched the food, I mean, you just wash it, you know, like oh, my bananas were in the dumpster, okay, well, you're gonna peel them anyways, yeah. you can still wash them if you want to, like, what-
0: yeah, banana's still in its skin, and yeah, watermelon, it's got a husk around it, coconut, whatever.
2: Yeah, it'll yeah. <laughs> be that that bad. bad. <laughs> when you mentioned like uh, social conditioning, because I mean, yeah, it sounds like like you know, uh, as I grew up, you hear these ideas, and it's like you know that's you know you I would never do that, and you wonder like where do these ideas where do these ideas come from? But then you know you look at like the world population, and they say that this middle class gap that's you know less than two billion people. And you know, you look at the people above that that are living, you know, above the middle class, and you know, it's even like it's a, it's a, uh, it's so tiny compared to what you know we might consider middle class. And then everyone else below that is considered, you know, like in in poverty. And there's like uh, like the, half the world is living in a in a world themselves where going to a dumpster and collecting food is like not even a. It's like it's they wish they could do that. Right.
1: Yeah, most places don't have grocery stores where they actually put out, you know, like places like Safeway and uh, Fred Meyers and stuff, a lot of times they have compactors outside. So you can't even get the food that they throw away. They throw it into a trash compactor and it all gets smashed down. Because they'd rather destroy it completely than let somebody eat food that they're going to throw away anyways. It's so mind-boggling the way that some of that works.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just extreme, extreme wastes, which, I mean, we, we see all the time because of the, you know, the worlds we live in. But, but you, look at, you look at some people that, that might be, you know, in the poorer communities here in Mexico or in India or, uh, you know, some in the countryside of China or, you know, Latin America, you know, there's, there's a lot of what, what is named poverty. And the, the funny contrast is these people are often happier. And, you know, the, the levels of uh, depression and, you know, mental illness are next to none because they haven't got time to worry about that. They're too busy living life to the extreme, you know, in, in survival mode. And, you know, every single little win just brings them so much happiness.
1: Yeah. When I I'd say from my limited experience with that, I, was, I, I haven't left the Americas um, but with my experience seeing that in you know places where that are very poverty-stricken they've also got a much greater sense of community though too. People usually know the people around them you know it's when you're you know you're making six figures living in a studio apartment in New York and you don't know a single other person that lives in your building and you know what I mean like you don't you don't have a support structure you don't have a community and those things are way more important than physical things or money or you know anything like that yeah. like we're we're communal creatures like we're we're pack animals you know however you want to put it like we're supposed to have people close to us that we can confide in and rely on and you know make each other laugh and stuff like that's that's the most important thing we can have you know and uh yeah in, in societies where the focus is on you know what they call success it, a lot of times those those things are left by the wayside and, yeah, that's why, you know, most statistics say, like, 12% of Americans are on anti or, uh, antidepressants. And that doesn't count people that, you know, drink as their antidepressant or smoke weed as their, you know what I mean? Just people on prescribed antidepressants. It's more than 10% of the population because they're striving for things that aren't going to make them happy, thinking that they will.
0: Yeah. We're, like, working in a dead-end job that doesn't make them happy and then they, they... Yeah, they don't know what to do, and they go to a psychiatrist to make them happy. And that's <laughs> need to confront things at a more basic level, I guess.
1: When yeah. you know to 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 have a job and to have you know to live in that lifestyle, you have to put a lot of weight on yourself too. You know, you've got to have transportation of some kind, which usually mm. means a car with car payments and insurance payments, and then yeah. you've got to have a steady place to live which means rent and now in order to go out and even chase this idea of success you've had to give yourself all this extra stress and all these extra extra weights on you that people who you know i met a lot of people who they travel just by riding uh riding trains you know they just hop trains and they eat food out of dumpsters or what people give them you know sorry did you say they, they hop trains? yeah it is huge. There's a huge culture in America of people who just ride trains and sleep wherever they can and get free food and, you know, take showers at truck stops and stuff. And yeah. these, these people are, you know, they're, they're happy. All the ones that I met are loving it because they're totally free. You know, they're, they're just doing whatever it is that they want to do. And, you know, you always have the option to go back in to the matrix if you want to, you know what I mean? Like if, if you get tired of not having money and just floating around, you can always just get another job. It's not like, there's <laughs> any, you know what I mean? Like I, I quit my job and just started wandering and stuff, but it's not like there's anything that now stops me from going and getting a job again. If I wanted to, you know, like that, that option is always there for you at least assuming you have some level of skill or, you know, education. Um, but people feel like they get stuck in these things because they've got these bills, you know, especially people with, like, kids in a mortgage and car payments and stuff. It's like, if you sign a 30-year mortgage, you're stuck. You know, you, you until you pay that off, you've got this huge thing looming over you that you have to go out and get money for. It's like, well, then the, you're not free at all if you've got these, these strings that you've tied yourself with. And... Uh, you know, that's why that's why that's what's pushed so much in in the culture. That's why we talked about you know in school and in television and everything. It's all about living the American dream. You know, getting getting successful in that sense, which really just means getting so much stuff that you have to pay for that you can't possibly escape that game.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so like they they they're dangling this carrot uh, of financial freedom i guess or financial independence but actually they never mentioned that all that comes up is debt debt and more debt
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i i look at you know most of the world i look at it as a bunch of games you know there's there's this nine to five game there's the activist game there's the musician game you know a bunch of different games you can choose to play or not and each game has different goals and it has different rules you know, but people think that the game that they're told about in school and that they grow up with, at, you know, being the normal is like their only option. But it's like no, you can stop playing that game whenever you want. Even if you have, even if you have a mortgage and you have a car payment and stuff, you could still stop. You know, like yeah, your credit would be ruined. Okay, that only matters <laughs> if you're playing that game. You know, if you stop playing that game, it doesn't matter what your credit score. <laughs> I think my credit score is probably somewhere around two hundred or so. Maybe like it's bad. It doesn't matter. I don't need to ask for credit from banks. Like I have human credit. Like I have, I have people all across the country and in also you know other countries that if I hit them up, I can go stay there for as long as I want because they know that I'll be there contributing. You know, I'll I'll be a benefit to them by being there, and that you know that's the kind of credit that actually has meaning because. You know, a credit rating, a credit number is just a matter of how well you play that game that they're choosing. You know that they're they're trying to get everybody to play, and that's you know if that's what you're shooting for, cool. And, you know, there's some people that it does make them happy. You know, or at least it makes them content. I would say probably not happy. You know, and I, I don't I don't judge anybody for what they're doing, but. Ju- I, it's important to do it consciously, you know. Yeah, Truly yeah, make the yeah, decision yeah. yourself, instead of just going with it because it's what you've been trained. Like a rat in a little maze.
2: That's yeah. the difference, you know. It, it reminds me of of the some wise words from Terence McKenna when he says, "You know, culture is not your friend." Hmm. And maybe in the beginning, that that didn't click for me. I didn't really under, like. It took me maybe a year to understand. Um, what's what's wrong with with a little bit of culture, or what's wrong with uh, feeling attached to something? But it's the same. It's the same cage, just painted in you know whatever whatever football team you seem to follow, yeah. and then uh, you know you become you become part of that. But where, how how long have you been on this on this journey for? Because I know that I'm not at the point where I could step over and, and be as as free as as you're, you're coming across. There. as was that was that a big step or, or what happened there
1: it was it was uh it was the last the last step to being honest with myself you know living honestly basically um it's been let's see we're in november it's been about 26 months since i started paying attention to the world at all really like started you know uh i had just tuned everything out for a long time drugs alcohol work and video games for you know the middle of high school until about three years ago a little less than three years ago and then uh november 2013 was the first protest i ever went to and within a few weeks of that i joined up with this or formed this group of people that we all met there and we organized a bunch of homeless outreach events together and i i went from making money however i could to, okay, well, I'm only going to give my time and energy to people that I would actually support. So I ended up getting a good job at a a uh, local-owned, employee-owned whole grains company that only does non-GMO and stuff, and that was a step, and, you know, I've I've only been eating really clean food, you know, and even if it's organic, I won't buy anything from, like, General Mills or any of those guys, because what I do with my energy is just as important as what I put into my body. And so I, I'd been taking steps for about two years, but this was really the the big jump. Like, okay, I I know who I want to be, and I'm just going to trust that the universe will put me in situations that help me grow to be that person. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know, I, I wasn't scared at all. Like, I, I put a couple months of, like, hardcore intention setting into it, you know, meditating on this and going to a few different circles in town and... You know clarifying my intentions for my trip and stuff and I, it was I was excited. I wasn't really scared at all because i I also I, like I said I, I just know that if it didn't work, I can always fall back on whatever I want. you know i I can always get a job anywhere with very little time. I've got years of experience in a lot of different fields. so I guess there was this uh, this feeling of like a, a safety cushion or a safety net if I needed it, you know. But yeah, it's de- it was definitely a, a huge very different step. I'd been living in Portland for more than 10 years before I before I hit the road and I'd been working full-time for more than 10 years as well. So it was uh, it was big, but it, it felt easy because it, it just felt like the right thing to do. like the only thing I could do really. It felt like the only option that I had was to do this because everything else just didn't it didn't fit. it wasn't me.
2: Cool yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> solid yeah. as fuck. Okay, uh,
0: should we wrap it up or do?
2: Then we... yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah, cool. Okay, all right. Well, th- thanks,
0: Kenny. Thanks for sharing yeah. your perspective. Yeah,
2: yeah. I can't and, wait to uh, see you guys.
0: All right. Well, you, I think you've got a very like your your perspective is very empowering, and I think I think people will feel uh, that that awesomeness that <laughs> that you're projecting by by. Providing these services to others.
1: So th- thank you. Yeah. No. It, it's it definitely feels like you know when when I'm doing what makes me feel good, it, it makes those around me feel good, and they, I definitely, uh, you know, I'm getting excited from these people that I'm meeting and like working with and stuff, and they're getting excited from all the other experiences that I've had that I'm sharing with them, and you know, every time that I go to a new place and find another awesome project that's going on, that's just one more thing I can share with everybody else to help them, you know really realize how awesome things are right now. <laughs> yeah,
2: good value. Well, thanks.
1: Yeah, cool. cool. Yeah. Good, good talking to you, man. Hey, you too, bro. All right, good Yeah, I'll see you in a couple months.
0: Great, fantastic, wonderful, and brilliant. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Kenny. So, Kenny doesn't have a website at the moment, uh, but he did say that you should check out Elias Clay. Uh, so you can check out some of her videos on YouTube uh, Elias Clay it's spelled A-L-A-I-S Clay just like the stuff you make pods from just like your stuff you drink pulque from and uh, the other thing is this website StarTribeAlliance.org just uh, yeah just as I said it StarTribeAlliance.org no dashes or anything and and uh, Thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. So you can head on over to YouTube, press like, press subscribe. Um, you can go onto Facebook, press like on Facebook, hover over the like button, press get notifications so you can get those pop-ups in your feed uh, t- telling you exactly what you need to know from the Paradise Paradox and uh, head on over to iTunes. You can press subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, give us five stars. Let us know, we're appreciated. And uh, if you're using Android, you can, can subscribe with Podcast Addict or with uh, Pocket Casts. There's a few options available to you in the world as your oyster. It's, it's a million potential possibilities out there. And uh, you can head on up <laughs> to uh, the com. So you notice up the top there's a there's a little tab saying, Give us a tip. So if, if you go there or, or just type in donate.theparadiseparadox.com, uh, you can help us out with a little bit of money. Suggested donation is one US dollar per episode that you like, but if you're using bitcoins, don't be afraid to send us a micropayment. We still appreciate it, no matter how small it is, even if it's uh, just a couple of cents. It does demonstrate to us that, that you are listening and and uh, you like what you're hearing, so we do appreciate that. It it shows us that this is a two-way relationship, connection, connectivity. Um, The same goes, you know, if you go onto the website, leave us a comment, tell us what you think, uh, and and any criticisms or anything you want to make clear to us, any suggestions, uh, you can go onto theparadiseparadox.com and leave a comment on there. And uh, also, you notice there's a, a shop Amazon button, shop amazon link at the top and that'll take it through through to amazon and it just means if you buy something on on amazon then uh we'll we'll get a little bit of commission from that and then helps us continue with our production make things better make things super ballistic expert exp fragilosis and uh <laughs> what else you might buy some Prudhon, some Emma Goldman perhaps uh, and uh, you notice on the paradise, Paradox.com as well there's a link there it says uh, TPP t-shirts and you could buy some t-shirts uh, and uh, we've got, a, we've only got a, a couple of designs there at the moment but have a look um, we've got a design where you can represent your love for, uh, for Bitcoin, for gold and silver it says real money Looks pretty cool. Uh, we spent a while with working with the designer, trying to get it just right. So have a look at that. Um, order a couple. Order order some for Christmas party, birthday presents, uh, Thanksgiving uh, explosions of of uh, delusions of grandeur, gift giving. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. My name's Kurt Robinson, and uh, have a good one. Oh, by the way. We're heading to Mexico City for a few days. Um, so we're going to the the Latin American Bitcoin Conference in Mexico City, and uh, we hope to be reporting on that, giving you a few interviews uh, with some speakers there. So so there's like Jeff Berwick, Andreas Antonopoulos, Jose Rodriguez. Uh, so watch out for that. Uh, we'll, we'll be back with some interesting reporting knowledge uh, and if you want the, the show notes from this episode, you can go to theparadiseparadox.com slash 73. That's the slash 73. So you can check out the information that's on there, a few fun links, all of the things that we interested uh, that we mentioned in this episode that are interesting to you, like Anacast and Adam Kokesh's stuff and, and Elias Clay, uh, the Star Tribe Alliance, and a whole bunch more. So we'll see you next time.